for your amazing, marvelous love for us. We're grateful today for your faithfulness, for, Father, the, the opportunity to look back over our shoulders and just see how good you've been to us, how gracious and kind, Father, how you have given us peace and joy through the midst of trouble and difficulty and trial. We're grateful today that you are a faithful God. We can trust in you. We can depend upon you. Father, we celebrate you this morning and are so grateful for who you are and all that you have done for us. We praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the 126th Psalm. We've been looking at the Psalms of Degrees for the last uh, little bit. We're in the 126th Psalm this morning, talking about how to triumph over trouble. And the key to that is trust. Uh, trusting in God in the midst of our trials. And certainly we've sang about that this morning. I want to read to you, if you would read with me, uh, the 126th Psalm. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What an incredible psalm. What an incredible psalm. It, it carries these, the, the, the words of sorrow. He talks about captivity. He, he talks about sowing in tears. He talks about weeping. But all of that is, is overcome with a, a mouth that is filled with laughter and a tongue that is filled with singing and, and praise for the great things that God has done for, with, with joy and rejoicing. In the midst of trouble, it's important that we remember what all God has done for us. That we take time not only to remember what He has done for us, but to rehearse that and to rejoice in that. The key to having joy, the key to trusting, the key to overcoming in the midst of trouble is being reminded of how good God has been. He's been good, amen? amen. Can anybody say amen? amen. <laughs> He's been good to us. He's been faithful. He's been kind. Certainly all of us could stand today, I, I believe, if you've been a follower of Christ for more than a minute, you could stand and give testimony to that truth. He is good. He is a good, good Father. And even in the midst of our tears, God gives us joy. Aren't you grateful for that today? Even in the midst of sorrow, there is joy. Hezekiah king of Judah, certainly compiled these psalms of degrees. Maybe he wrote some of them. Many of them are, are what are called orphaned psalms. We don't know who wrote them. Four were written by David, one by Solomon. The, the other ten are orphaned. Some would say because of the ten degrees of the sundial turning back that, that Hezekiah wrote a song for each one of those degrees. But 
You'll remember the story. He's been dealing with Sennacherib, and, and he's been going through the, the trouble of this Assyrian army that's come against him, and, and they're threatening him, and he goes before the Lord. And, and, and when he goes before the Lord, what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 38, let's just look at it real quick. I think it's on the screen. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. Hezekiah wept sore. He, he's been going through many difficulties and struggles and, and conflicts, and, and now he gets the news. He's, he's been sick, and, and he prays to God, and Isaiah brings the answer, and the answer is, you're not going to make it. You're not going to live. And he goes again before the Lord, and he, he cries out to God. He weeps before God. And in the midst of that, in the, in the midst of all that's going on in his life, and, and I don't know if you can appreciate the, the weight of the leadership of, of the nation and, and, and all of the people who are depending upon him. It's, it's incredible what he must have been going through and the stress that he was dealing with. But it's when he's afflicted physically that he goes before the Lord. He gets alone with God. He turns toward the wall. He turns away from everyone else. And he weeps. I think I need to be reminded of that. When people face physical sickness, difficult. We must be compassionate. We must be caring and we must be reminded of that. I remember Job. He went through so much. He, he lost all of his wealth. He even lost his family. But, but when, when the Lord allowed Satan to touch his body, it was especially difficult. We need to care for people who are suffering physically. We need to pray for people. We need to bear that burden with them. I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. But I think we can do that through prayer. I think that's what, that's, a, that's an aspect of prayer. It's not the totality of it, but it's an aspect of it. And when someone's suffering, I can enter into that suffering. I can come under that load. I can bear that burden with them. And we must be mindful of that. When people are suffering physically. It's especially traumatic as it was for Hezekiah. It brought him to weeping, to tears. And maybe your suffering your f isn't physical suffering. Maybe, maybe it's something else that causes you to weep today. But the 126th Psalm says there's a, a couple of things to do to be able to turn our tears into joy. So I want us to look at them quickly this morning. The first is we look back. One's going to be to look back and one's going to be to look forward. The first one is to look back. He says, turn again our captivity. In verse number four. <clears throat> I told you last time, doctrinally, these Psalms are dealing with the nation of Israel. And when he talks about turning again their captivity, he's, he's pointing forward to a, a yet future time in the tribulation. 
when God will restore his chosen people, the nation of Israel. Please don't let anyone lie to you and tell you that God's done with Israel. Uh, He is not. Uh, His word is so clear and so explicit about that truth. Uh, He is not done with the nation of Israel. He will turn again their captivity. Uh, they They will return. In fact, they already are. If you've ever been to the nation of Israel, you've, you've experienced how that the Jews are flooding back into that country, and, and they can't even explain to you why. Uh, they just tell you, I had to come home. Well, oh, you, you lived here. No, no, never lived here before. Well, then it, why do you call it home? I don't know. It's just home. I had to come back. Uh, and, and they are flocking back there. Today, they're flocking back there in unbelief. Uh, one day soon, uh, they will gather in belief of their Messiah. And they will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will recognize him as the Messiah. Uh, He's going to turn again their captivity, and that's the doctrinal setting. We're going to look at it inspirationally. Hezekiah certainly has has done with this, has dealt with this captivity, and and he has been taken siege, and and so he's he's looking back and remembering. But he doesn't have to look too far back, right? Uh, You know, he doesn't have to 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 consider too much when he goes to look back at God relieving their captivity because he's just done this and. And it's in chapter 38 that he tells us about this sickness that he has. It was in chapter 37 of Isaiah uh, where God delivers them, as we've seen, from Sennacherib. It's, he, he's in sickness now and he's in tears, but he's, he's remembering what God has done. Because when Sennacherib had laid siege and surrounded the city, God sends the angel of the Lord out and he kills 185,000 Assyrians and, and delivers the children of Israel. They, they never even lifted a hand by no effort of their own. God delivers them. And so he doesn't have to look too far back to when, verse 1 says, the Lord turned again the captivity of Israel. He says, it was, it, we were like them that dream. He said, it was, we couldn't even imagine it. We went to bed one night and, uh, and, and the city is laid siege. We're not sure what's going to happen. The most powerful military force in the world at that time has come against us. They've surrounded the city. We know that water and food is going to get short, that we're not going to be able to eat. They're going to, they're going to starve us out. We, we're, we're not sure what we're going to do, but we have cried out to the Lord. We've laid it before him. I took, Hezekiah says, I, I took the letter. I laid it before the Lord. Look what he said, Lord. He's talking about you. We trust you. And they get up the next morning and there's 185,000 of them dead. They never lifted a hand. God just did it. He said, we were like them that dream. You you ever been like that? He said, I got to pinch myself. Is this real? Am I awake? Maybe maybe I'm still asleep. Maybe I'm sleepwalking. Maybe I just dreamed that this happened. I, I can't even imagine. I can't believe what God has done. Judah has been delivered. They've been set free. Look what God has done. What an awesome truth. It must have felt surreal. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had a moment when you, you looked at your situation, your circumstances, and you considered where you were, and you, and you thought, my goodness, I, I don't know how I will ever be set free from this. I don't know how I'll make it through. I don't know how I'll be delivered. And then God shows up. And he delivers you from your situation. And you're so overwhelmed. It's like you're in a dream. It's surreal. You can't imagine the deliverance. That's what what Hezekiah says. It's, It's like we were them that dreamed. In times of trouble, it's important that we look back to those times. And we remember the goodness and the greatness of our God. 
and what he can do for us. When the Lord turned again our captivity, when, when it was like we dreamed, he said our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Hezekiah, he's been, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's been concerned. And we see he, he was concerned with Sennacherib. He's concerned now about his sickness. He's, he's concerned about losing. He's only 37 years old. He, he recognizes that his life has been cut short. But his, his worried talk now is turned to laughter. His prayers that he's cried out in urgency to God now is turned to a song of rejoicing because of God's greatness, because of God's goodness. Again, I ask you, have you you ever experienced such a thing where God turned your fear into laughter? I remember a number of years ago, I went through a a situation uh, that was was especially difficult for me personally. And it it, it involved fear, it, it involved hurt, it involved heartbreak. Dark days. And I couldn't, I didn't see it coming, and I couldn't understand why it came. It was certainly a time of sorrow, struggle, trouble. In a period of months, even beyond a year later, it, became, it began to become clear to me. I mean, when it was happening, I thought, this is, I can't even understand. I can't even wrap my arms around it. I can't, how did this happen? Months later, even beyond a year later, I, I realized how it happened was God orchestrated it. And literally, I, I even said those words. It's, when I would think about it, I would just start laughing. It was it, not that it was funny, but it was, it was funny to me that I had so missed it. I had so been discouraged and defeated and, and, and worn down and, and troubled and fearful and all of those awful emotions. But when I, when I saw it from God's perspective from the other side and I looked back on it and I realized what God was doing, it just caused me to laugh. It, it was humorous. I, there were some people who did some very hurtful things to me. And, I, 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 and I, I, if I didn't think they would take it that I was just being a jerk, I know that you'd never imagine that anybody would think I would do that, <laughs> I would have called them and thanked them. I really thought I I should call them and thank them because of what God did. God wants to take those situations, and and particularly now what he wants us to do when we're in the midst of trouble and we find ourselves at a time when we're, we're struggling, to look back at those times. There's something about the human condition that we struggle in the midst of our trouble to see it, but if we'll look back over our shoulder to the past, to times in the past when he's shown up so faithfully, we can see it now. Hindsight is 2020, and we can see what God has done and what he has brought us through. And it can turn our worry into laughter and our prayers into songs that we sing to the Lord. Our sorrow is turned into singing because of God's goodness. Sing those songs. Even when we we go back, I can remember things that were very special to me in those days. You know, songs are powerful things, aren't they? 
Songs are powerful things. And I can remember back in those days the songs that, that were especially impactful to me. And when I go back and I sing those songs now, I'm reminded that God was involved the whole time. And everything that he was doing in my life, he was doing for my good and for his glory. And everything that he was doing in my life was out of a motivation of his perfect love for me. And if I had had my way and done things my way, it would have messed up the whole situation. But he was orchestrating events to accomplish his goal and his mission in my life. Today I look back and I'm grateful for that. So he says, if, when he delivers you, has he, has he ever delivered you? That was a little weak. Has he ever delivered you? If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, he's delivered you. He's delivered you from the, the penalty of your sin, which is an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's pretty awesome. Right? Can we start there? He's delivered us. He's delivered us from the power of sin. It doesn't have to rule over me. It only rules over me when I choose to let it rule over me. He set me free. That's what it means to be born again. It's not to, to be in bondage, just to be in freedom. Free from the, the bondage of sin. I'm not, I'm not under that taskmaster anymore. I've been set free. I don't have to serve sin. I'm, I'm free. One day soon, he's going to deliver me from the presence of sin. And I'm going to spend eternity with him. He's, he's delivered us. And, and if he's delivered us, what he says we should do is we should laugh and we should sing. It's, it's, it's a shameful thing that Christians walk around moping and moaning and groaning and complaining. We shouldn't be that way. Oh, Joe, don't you see what's going on around us? I do see what's going on around us. But I also see who's in us. We need to get our focus off of the situation and get our focus back on God and who He is and remind ourselves of His greatness and His goodness and all that He will do for us. None of, none of those things, complaining, griping, none, none of that's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so if the Spirit of God's in control of my life, the outcome of that will be joy in my life. We should be joyful people. Amen? Amen. The psalmist says, Psalm 40, he said, he put a new song in my heart, even praise unto my God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. If we would live life like that, remembering the, great, the goodness and the greatness of God, we would impact. In fact, the very next phrase says, then said they among the heathen. Then said they. The Assyrians recognized the greatness of the God of the Jews. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. It's not, it's not Hezekiah saying that. It's not the, the nation of Judah saying that. It's, it's the Assyrians saying that. They're looking on. They're seeing what God... And, and can you imagine? That I, I think I would say the same thing too. If, if you know, the, the other side of the coin is they went to bed one night. Uh, they had the city of Jerusalem laid siege. They're going to win this fight. It's like Alabama playing LSU. Uh, they, they were sure they were going to come out victorious, right? That's why I turned it off at halftime. Why watch the rest of this silly thing? 
But unlike Alabama LSU, they woke up the next morning and 185,000 of them woke up dead. The whole thing had turned around and they realized there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Judah. And he is powerful. He is almighty God. And they realized that because of how they lived. What does the world think about our God? What do they understand about him from us? And how we live. The Lord hath done great things for them. Then they say the Lord, verse 3, the Lord hath done great things for us. They recognized it as well. They're, they're rehearsing, they're, they're remembering the great things that God hath done for them. A few weeks ago, we, we looked at the book of Romans, and, and Paul asked that question, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say to all the great things that the Lord hath done for us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And those things that the Lord has done, he's, he's justified us, he's, he's forgiven us, but it's, it's so much more than forgiveness, right? He, he made me just before God. It's a, a legal standing. It's not just that he, he swept it under the rug. He paid the price. He redeemed me. He purchased me. He regenerated me. He, he gave me his spirit. He gave me life. He imputed to me his righteousness. He set me apart. He sanctified me to be his own. The Bible says, He's even glorified me. He adopted me. I have an inheritance in him. The great things that the Lord hath done for me. I should rejoice and be glad in him. I have much to be joyful for. Amen? And when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble, all we need to do is but look over our shoulders and to see the great things he's done for us. Even if we don't have those monumental times in our life, we can certainly look back to our salvation. We can recognize that he purchased us, he redeemed us, he gave us his spirit. He set us free from our sin. That should cause, that is cause for great celebration. He says we should remember those things, but not only should we remember them, we should rehearse those things. We need to talk about them. We need to rehearse those great things. We need to verbalize it. We need to say it. Amen? We need to talk about the goodness of our God. Rehearse the great things. The song we've sang many times, count your blessings. Name them. Name them one by one. Take time to stop and just begin to count the blessings of God in your life. Remember, rehearse what he's done for you. Talk of it to yourself. Talk of the great things. Talk of the great things that he's done for you individually. He's been good to us. He's been gracious and kind to us. We could talk about as a, as a people, as a, as a church, the good things that God has done for us. There's so many ways that God has been gracious and kind to Decatur Baptist Church, and he's blessed us 
for the 122-year history of this church, we've been blessed. We've been blessed by all those that precede us. So many people for over the last 122 years that have suffered and served and sacrificed so that you and I can sit here today in comfort and in freedom, hearing the Word of God, worshiping together, being mutually encouraged by one another's faith. What an awesome heritage we have. God's been good to this church. God's been good to this country. We have been blessed as a nation. We, we don't deserve what we've been given. God providentially led them to come to this country, to, to come here for the freedom to worship Him. He gave them the wisdom to put together a nation that has survived for 230 years. It's unprecedented what we have. We are the most prosperous country in the world. Yeah, we got problems. We got troubles. They're of our own making. God has been very kind and very gracious. It's amazing to me that He hasn't taken His finger and flicked us off the map already the way we've spit in his face. He's been good to us. Again, from our Nehemiah study, they go back over the history of the nation of Israel, and they're living under the law and the demands and the requirements of the law. And in the midst of all of that, what are they doing? They're celebrating. They're praising. They're thanking God that, that He has been so gracious in that land, where in that time when it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, and, and judgment came quick, yet they still see the grace and mercy of Almighty God. We've got much to be thankful for. Oh, Sure. Times are tough, but God's still God. And we need to get back to celebrating who He is. We don't need to forget all His mighty works. We need to rehearse them. We need to talk about them. Maybe you just need to get up every day. Take a couple of hours in the morning. Think about all the ways God's been good to you. Maybe you need to make a list. Get off your Christmas list and get on your blessing list. You could probably do without anything this year. You got plenty. Just thank God for how good he's been. Amen? Amen. He's been good. He's been good to me. So much better than I deserve. I deserve hell. But he's been good to me. He's put people in my life. I didn't deserve to have parents who, who knew him and loved him and and brought me up to know him and love him. I didn't deserve that, but he gave me that. I didn't deserve people who would disciple me and train me and, and teach me his word. I didn't deserve any of those things, but God's been good. We need to rehearse those things to ourselves, and, and we need to rehearse those to others. We need to speak of God's goodness, not only to ourselves, but we need to tell others about his goodness. We need to remember it. We need to rehearse it. And, and when you remember it and when you rehearse it, you can't help but rejoice in it. Amen? You can't help but rejoice. He says in verse 3, Wherefore, whereof we are glad. We're glad for what God's done for us. So often I, I, I feel like we walk through the world. I feel like, let me just make it personal. I feel like I walk through the world and I'm mad and I'm stressed and I'm discouraged and I'm depressed and I'm going through all of these, these things in my life. Well, I should just be glad. <laughs> Amen? God's been good. He's been faithful. He's been kind and gracious. He's given to me way better than I deserve. 
And when I take time to look back over my shoulder and remember, and I rehearse what he's done for me, I can't help but rejoice. We need to be people who who do that in such a way that it causes us to live with a different demeanor. That when people look at us, they don't see someone who's discouraged and defeated and downtrodden. But they see us as somebody who, regardless of our circumstance and our situation, no matter what's going on in our our personal lives or our families or, or in the world around us, we've got joy because the Spirit of God lives within us. And the fruit of the Spirit of God within us is joy. The way to get there is to remember and rehearse and that'll cause us to rejoice. We can be glad. How do, how do we turn our tears into joy? Remember, find joy through your tears in this present time by looking at how God's worked in the past. And the second aspect of it, we look to the past, but then we also need to look forward to the future to God's reward. He begins the, the first few verses, he, he says to look to the past And then the last couple of verses, he says, look to the future, look forward to the future. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. He says we can look forward to the time of reward with our Lord. A lot of of people would tie this together with a prophecy that's, again, back in Isaiah chapter 37 when, when the city of Jerusalem is sieged and they're, they're, they're locked down and Sennacherib is surrounding them and Hezekiah goes before the Lord and God sends the answer back through Isaiah. And Isaiah comes and, and he, he gives all this prophecy about what he's going to do to Sennacherib. And again, as you read it, if you understand end-time prophecies, you know that Sennacherib is an incredible type of the Antichrist, and he's, he's foretelling what he's going to do to the Antichrist, not many days hence, uh, but I digress. And then he comes, and he, in the midst of his prophecy, he just switches, and he begins to talk to Hezekiah again. And here's what he says to Hezekiah, and this shall be a sign unto thee. You shall eat this year of such as grow of itself in the second year that which springeth of the same, and in the third year you sow ye, and reap, and plant vineyards, and eat the fruit thereof. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. And they that escape out of the mouth of Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, shall, uh, shall do this. It's an incredible prophecy. What he says is, you, you've been surrounded. You've, you've not been able to, to plant your crops. They were an agricultural society at that time, certainly. Their survival was dependent upon what would grow. And God says, I'm going to deal with Sennacherib, don't you worry about it. And here's a sign. We, I grew up on a farm, a little farm in North Georgia. We would call them volunteer. Like, you know, when plants came back up the next year, you didn't plant them, they just came back up, we'd call them volunteer. That's what my dad always called them. That's a volunteer plant. He's volunteering. Whatever, I don't know. He said, they're going to, they're going to, it's going to grow of itself. He said, that'll happen the first year. You know what? It's going to happen the second year. But then the third year, you're going to sow, and you're going to reap, and you're going to plant vineyards. God says you have a future. You have a future here. 
You know, this whole series of lessons that we're in is, is special to me because it's an outgrowth of what God did in my life bringing me here. God used this passage of Scripture significantly in my life in making the decision if, if coming to Decatur, Alabama was what God wanted me to do. I won't lie to you. Well, I might, but about other things. <laughs> Got to be careful about making those large, wide, decorative statements. I'm just kidding. I didn't want to come. I didn't want to do it. And, and that's, God used the verse just that precedes this. I know he's talking about Sennacherib. Okay, I understand that. But he used the verses, that, the, the one verse that precedes this verse. And here's what he said to me. And, and, and what's crazy is this didn't even convince me. I needed more convincing. He says, because thy rage, thy, thy rage against me. He's talking to Sennacherib, but inspirationally. And thy tumult has come up into mine ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips. And I will turn, I, I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you where I want you. But then, he, but then he gave me, and he said, this is going to be a sign. In the first year, what comes up, comes up. In the second year, it'll be the same. But in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards. I've been here two years. We start the third year, January the 1st. And what I want you to know is this. In 2021, what God's told us to do on the authority of his word, and he told me this over three years ago. Not over three years ago, over two years ago, excuse me. I told you I'd lie to you. <laughs> over two years ago was that next year is the year for us as a body to begin actively not, not that we shouldn't have been doing it, but I'm just telling you, God said, that's not going to be the emphasis. The emphasis for the first two years is going to be get discipleship and, and training, and let's take root downward so that in 2021 we can bear fruit upward, and we can go plant vineyards and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I know we've been doing that, but I'm, I'm just telling you, God has a new day for us. And in and, and 2021, we're going to continue to emphasize and we're, to, we're going to push toward us as a community, as a body of believers, going out into our community with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching people with the gospel. I, I didn't know that that would be, that we would do this in the midst of, of COVID-19. I didn't know coronavirus would be around, but God did. Nothing has caught him by surprise. And his calling hasn't changed. And there's nothing that's an excuse for us not to do what God's called us to do. And I'm telling you today, as the one that God, God brought here with a, a hook in his nose and a bridle in his mouth, that's what he's called us to do. And to do anything less would be disobedient. And outside of the blessing of God. So let's talk about it. It's, he, he says that we're, we're to go and 
And we're to sow, but we're to go and sow in tears. And he says, if we'll sow in tears, we're going to reap in joy. There's, there's this comparison between what we do presently, looking forward to the future. We, we sow today, and we look forward to the future to reap. There's, there's times of sorrow in our lives. There's times that we're going we're gonna to endure tears. There's, there's times that are going to be difficult in this life. But the promise that God gives us is, in the midst of those times, we're, we're moving forward to a time of joy. There's, there's tears now, but there's joy coming in the future. We have joy that, that the lost world knows nothing about because we have confidence, we have security, we have peace in knowing that our eternal destiny is secure in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. He said, it's like a, it's like a woman in travail, a woman in labor. There's tears in the midst of the labor, but there's joy that's coming with the birth of the child. He says, we're to, we're to sow, and that, that sowing is the, the planting. We, we heard testimony, Chastity this morning, sharing about Angela, that, that, that testimony of the continual sowing of the Word of God. She came, and she's continually sowing the Word of God. She's continually speaking of the goodness of God. She's continually sharing that truth. That's a wonderful example of what I'm talking about. It's a wonderful example to me. I, I'm not that bold. I, I need to be more like that, to constantly be sowing, sowing the Word of God into the hearts of men. Sowing is something that we do presently. It involves going, right? We, we go forth with sowing. We, we've got to go to them. The, the, the Great Commission is given time and time again as Jesus has died. He's resurrected and he's, he's, he's ascending back to the Father five times. He gives this Great Commission to his disciples. And every time he gives it, it involves a two-letter word, Go in the 21st century church. We've kind of we have a field of dreams mentality. We think if we build it, they will come. It doesn't work that way. In the Old Testament, God established a temple and he told the people to come to it. In the New Testament, he put the temple in us and he said, We're to go to them. We've got to take the gospel to the world. And listen, that's Okay, it's fine if we do it on a night a week. That, that, that's, that's, that's one way to do that. But that's not the best way to do that. Especially not now. We live, listen, we live in a post-Christian world. We live in a post-Christian world. We all got mad when Barack Obama said America's not a Christian nation. Well, Barack Obama didn't decide that. We decided that. Because we stopped sharing the gospel. In a post-Christian world, you know you're not happy when somebody knocks on your door. <laughs> That's why you got that ring doorbell. You can see who they are. That's not Amazon. I'm not opening. We've got to go with the gospel. 
We, we go out into that world every day. We, we go to, to places of business. We go to restaurants. We go, we go to work. We, we go out into the world. And as we go out into the world, we've got to take with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to, we're to go forth. And as we go, what he says, we're to be bearing precious seed. In the, in the, the, the parable of the sower, that when Jesus describes the parable, he says the seed is the word of God. First Peter tells us it's the, the precious word of God. It's that, it's that incorruptible seed that brings brings about spiritual life that allows us to be born again. We're to take that seed of the Word of God and we're to sow that seed everywhere we go. We're to go forth bearing precious seed, just speaking the truth, just sharing the gospel. We're not beating people over the head with our 57-pound Schofield Reference Bible. We're, We're just sharing the hope of Jesus. Speaking of who he is, speaking of his goodness, speaking of his greatness, remember, rehearse, (laughs) rejoice. Let me tell you about how good my God is. Not about how corrupt that political party is or that one is. Not about how terrible the boss is, how poorly treated I am, and how much better I deserve it. I know. It was exciting a minute ago. But now it's where we live. But regardless of what's happening in my life, God's good. God's good. He's been good to me. And I want to tell you about him. Let me tell you about what he'll do for you. We're to go forth bearing precious seed. God has called us. We are his laborers in the field. The field is the world. Paul, when the the conflict was in the Corinthian church, he said, Apollos watered and and, uh, Paul watered and Paul planted and Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. I'll get it right in a minute. There's there's some who plant and and there's some that water, but God gives the increase. It's not my responsibility. It's above my pay grade for people to get saved. It's not my responsibility what they do with it. I'm just to share it. I'm just to talk of it. I'm just to lay it out there. Boy, that frees you up, doesn't it? It doesn't really matter what they do with it. And that, that doesn't mean I go, again, with my 57-pound Schofield Bible with my, my, you know, my, my sandwich board that says turn or burn. And, and listen, if that's your method, okay, whatever. Don't wear it to work. People will make fun of you. But just go. I pray this almost every Saturday morning for all of us. When we gather as, as men and pray on Saturday morning. I pray it specifically for this time because we gather to pray for this time. That every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ would come here on Sunday dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. So as we speak to each other, we don't speak our words. We speak God's words. Even in our conversation. And that's the same thing we should be doing every day, right? Go out into the world and don't speak our words. We're dead. Speak God's words. Just speak God's truth. Just share the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. He says, go forth, sowing seed. He he says, we sow in tears. Jesus overlooked the city of Jerusalem and, and he wept over that city. 
We're to, we're to sow in tears. We're to, to look at a world, again, not with disdain and not with aggravation, not with frustration, but with tears of, of compassion for them. There's a great story about General William Booth, the, the founder of Salvation Army, and, and he sends some men out to, to found a new ministry, and they're, they're working to do that, and, and, and they write back, they send a telegram back to, to General Booth, and they say There's, that all hope is lost, we need to close this center, nobody here is interested in the gospel, nothing's working. He sent back two words, a two-word telegram, try tears, try tears, go forth with weeping. Go forth with compassion and with care and concern. Tears one day will be overwhelmed with joy. They that sow in tears, look, shall reap. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. They shall reap in joy. Reaping is harvesting the fruitful rewards. He says we, we shall reap. We shall bring forth the sheaves. Uh, again, speaking of Jesus Christ who, who came and, and he sowed in tears, but he's coming again, bringing his sheaves with him. Uh, there's coming a day when Christ will return. It, it speaks mostly of what will happen in the future. We, we bear fruit in this life, and, and maybe we have the joy of enjoying that fruit that's born in this life, but, but ultimately the, the whole of the story, the conclusion of it all won't be known until eternity. That we won't know until we, we gather around the throne to know really what God has done in and through our lives. He says we, we, we go forth because when we go forth, we're, we recognize there's a coming again. Just as there was with Jesus Christ. He, he's coming one day in the clouds to get us in the rapture, but there's also a day coming when we're going to come with him. You see, the way this thing plays out is one day, one day soon, Jesus is going to step out on a cloud. He's not coming down to the earth. But he's going to step out on a cloud and he's going to say, come up hither. And all of us as born-again believers in Jesus Christ are going to be evacuated from this planet. It's going to happen. You might think, that sounds crazy. Well, read the Bible. It's there. We're going to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. And then there's, then there's a day not, not long after that that he's going to come to the earth and set his foot on the Mount of Olives. He's going to come bringing his sheaves with him. Thessalonians tells us that, that all the saints are going to come with him. And we're going to return with him and we're going to establish that kingdom here on the earth. That the going forth brings a coming again. The weeping leads to rejoicing. I, I just watched Brother Hank Smith this past week. He's, he's been doing, you've got to love a guy like Brother Hank. He's almost 90 or right, he is 90. We just celebrated his 90th birthday. And, and he's got a YouTube channel. Uh, huh? I mean, this, this is a guy that's not falling behind, uh, but he has a YouTube channel so that he can minister the Word of God. Uh, and he just shared on that YouTube channel, he just lost his wife a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about the weeping that endures for the night, but he went on to, but joy comes in the morning. The weeping, the weeping turns to joy. Tears are not in vain. They turn to joy. Bearing precious seed leads to bringing our sheaves with us. Amen? Angela celebrates this morning bringing her sheaves with her as she shared the gospel with someone. And God, through his Holy Spirit, drew him to himself. What an awesome thing to be a part of. What an incredible privilege that God would use us. You know, I think we've got to get honest with ourselves this morning. Our, our fruitlessness, there's not an issue with the seed. There's really not an issue with the ground. 
There's an issue with the sowing. The issue's us. We have found the problem, and it is us. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. It's the laborers that are few. The reason that we're fruitless is we're not sowing. Because the seed will bear fruit. In fact, he says, it's doubtless. Doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. If we will sow with tears, we go in the genuineness of our hearts right with God. He says, we'll doubtless come again. The seed is the power of God unto salvation. It will bear fruit if we'll sow it. We've just got to sow it. There's a promise of a harvest. The seed will produce. Galatians 6 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We can't faint. We can't quit. We can't say it's too hard. We can't say, I'll do it later. That's what the, that's what the disciples, remember John chapter 4? Jesus meets up with a Samaritan woman and, and, and the guys go into town and, and they come back and they brought food and she go, he, he reveals to himself who he is in the, while they're gone and, 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 and who she is and who he is and, and she puts her faith in him and she goes back to the city of Sychar. The disciples come and they want Jesus to eat. Jesus says, I'm not interested in your food. I, I, I'm, I'm interested. My meat is to, to do the will of the Father and to finish the work that he gave me to do. His admonition, he says, say ye not. It's a question. He, he, it's not a command. It's a question. Say ye not there are four months and then cometh the harvest. Isn't this what you say? Hey, we're, we're going to do that. We'll just do it later. There'll be a better time. We can't do it now. I mean, there's four months and then comes the harvest. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Are they not white already into harvest? If you study the culture of the day, odds are, and the story in the, in the scriptures, this woman goes back into the city of Sychar. She, she tells them what Jesus has done. She tells about who she met. And the Bible says the whole city came out to meet Jesus. Odds are they're having this conversation and Jesus says to these disciples, you say there's four months and then comes the harvest? Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Look, look right there. Here they come. That whole city of Sychar, you just went into town and all you came back with was a Big Mac and an order of fries. And that whole city is dying and going to hell. And not one of you disciples said one word to any one of them. And here's this woman that just met me and she's brought the whole town out. You've grown cold to what I did for you. You've gone cold to who I am. You've forgotten where you came from. Be reminded. And go sow the seed. There's not four months and then comes the harvest. The fields are wide into harvest. It's been a tough year, hasn't it? It's been a tough year. It's been discouraging. It's been, it's been difficult. There's, there's lots of things that have happened, not the least of which is a worldwide pandemic. 
If you lead ministry in, in these times, maybe you, you lead a class or you're trying to disciple somebody and it's just not working. Maybe your, your, your physical children are, are wandering and drifting away from church. You, you look around and you, you don't see people that you previously saw in church. It can be discouraging. I want to encourage you today. Look back at what God's done in the past. Remember. Rehearse those things and rejoice in them. And look forward to the future. The commission hasn't changed. What he's called us to do isn't any different. Let's take our discouragement and turn this trouble into triumph. Let's turn our sorrow into joy. And go out and sow the seed of the word of God. And reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? I believe with all of my heart that's what God wants for us to do. And I believe as we do that, as we go forth, according to what we read today, sowing precious seed, we will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you encourage us. We thank you for your faithfulness in the past. We thank you for your promises of the future. I pray today you'd help us to be reminded of how good you've been. Lord, I pray you'd help us to, to as we remember those things, just to rehearse them and, and rejoice in them. And then, and then and we look forward to what you want to do in the future. I, I know you have great things in store and, hey, and great things by your measurement. And those great things are people coming to know your son as their savior such that they could be discipled and go out and reach other, others to come to know your son as their savior and be discipled and and that we would multiply worshipers unto you that one day gathered around your throne from every tribe, kindred, nation, and tongue, there could be a multitude gathered together worshiping you. Father, we confess today our sin. The issue isn't your seed. The issue isn't even the ground. You've prepared people. You said the harvest is plenty. You've got more prepared sinners than you have prepared servants. Today, Father, we bow our heads before you and confess our sin of being poor sowers of your seed. And ask you to change us today. Father, that we would go out from this place sowing the seed of your word. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to begin to sing in just a moment. The only way to have joy is to be set free from your captivity. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know you're still held captive by your sin. If you want to be set free today, the gospel is the key to that freedom. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to do that today. We'll help you. We have people here at the front that would be anxious to share with you in the Word of God how you could know for sure that your sin debt has been paid, that you could spend eternity in heaven with God one day. I, I encourage you, if you don't know that, that you would come. Maybe you're going through a time of tears right now. You're going through a time of of difficulty and struggle, I, I would encourage you to, to let God take your tears and turn them to joy. He wants to do that today. Maybe you need to turn your life back toward Him. Whatever He's saying to you today, I, I encourage you to do that. I know for all of us that are believers today, He's called us to sow the seed of the Word of God. Will we do it? Will we be willing to be obedient to him? I encourage you today to say yes. While we sing, let God do it. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way.
Let God do in your life what he wants to do. Thou art the God is good. Amen. I think all of us 